Well, it is awesome to be with you this morning again to worship. And man, anybody else feel like you're in a bit of like a, a Thanksgiving fog right now? Anybody? Like, like a crazy week, you've been traveling, just got in maybe, or I, I totally feel that this morning. I don't know, maybe it's just me. But uh, man, what an awesome, awesome week. And as Chris alluded to, coming up into the season to celebrate Jesus' birth, we're actually going to start that next Sunday, Family Bible Church, a series, three-week series on uh, the birth of Christ. We have some small handouts in the back I want to mention. They're on the, by the green boxes. And uh, it's just something you can maybe give to a neighbor, invite to a friend. Don't forget, we're doing a barn service. I'm not trying to do announcements right now, but I'm just saying. Barn service on the 24th, so that's on that card as well. So if you want to invite somebody to the barn service, the great thing is just hand them to remember, you know, like the date, the time, because you could forget it's Christmas Eve. Anyways, um, but we're going we're gonna to spend one more week in the Gospel of Mark, and then we're going to come back to this in January. So if you've been journeying with us, you know what's up with the Gospel of Mark. We've been studying it line by line for a while, so it's, it's pretty good. Uh, interesting way to look at the gospel. I mean, it's the way we should be reading the, the text really uh, together. And so we've been doing that for a few weeks. I want to kind of set the stage, and we're going to pray and get right into the word this morning. But I guess the important thing is th- this whole story in the gospel of Mark is about the coming of Jesus. I mean, I, I was listening to the songs that, that Dan selected this morning for us. And if there's one thing that I hope that you leave this morning with, this is we have one hope and one proclamation, that's Jesus Christ. There's nothing else. I mean, I think sometimes the church gets caught up in a whole bunch of other stuff, but it's really the the totality of our message is Jesus. And uh, this morning we're going to talk about that quite a bit from the gospel. But but the whole story of Mark unfolds in this kind of way of explaining the power and the dynamic of Jesus coming into this world. And we talked, and this is the important thing I want to talk about this morning, we talked about how Jesus decided to call some people to himself to send them out, right, to apostle them, to, to send them out into the world to proclaim good news, to do actually more than that, to heal those who are hurting, to cast out demons, the word says, and uh, proclaim the kingdom of God. And so I say that because we, we were talking about how we're kind of bookending the, these few weeks here. We're going to gap over Christmas here, but where this is kind of like the apostolic training series right now. And so we're in the Gospel of Mark, there's like three chapters where Jesus says, I'm going to send you out, and he trains up the people he's going to send out. We'll talk about that more as we're going through the scripture today, but I think it's important to keep that in mind that, that this is instructions for people who are about to be sent out. That's what the instructions that we're getting in the Gospel of Mark are for right now. And so it's important to kind of keep that in mind. Uh, we, have a, we can have a tendency to, I don't know, like take a scripture out of its context and just make it about what we want it to be about. But it's really this kind of movement towards sharing good news with others or this idea that Jesus is going to empower his people with his message uh, to go into the world. We're going to do, I don't know, like again, if you're in that fog today, maybe you're like soup, not in the fog, you're like super ready to go, you're like raring to go or whatever, but we're just going to pray that God would teach us in this time. Uh, you know, I was thinking earlier, we were singing these songs and lifting our voices and some of us have better voices than others, like mine's terrible, you know, some of yours is awesome, and, but we're lifting them all up for one person and it's God himself. Like we come together to join all creation in praising his name on purpose, the God who's revealed through his creation. So um, I want to spend some time now just talking to him. That's what we do in prayer. So if you would pray with me, uh, let's just be before him for a moment. Father God, uh, for uh, the opportunity we have this morning to be before you, I give you thanks and praise for every friend, brother, sister who are gathered here this morning in your name. I give you thanks and praise for those who would like to be here but can't this morning. We give you thanks and praise. This morning, Father God, as we come into your house to sing praises of your goodness, uh, your good name, uh, to open your word, we pray that you would dwell with your people. Indeed, we have no wisdom of our own, Father. We say this to you all the time, but it's totally true. We have nothing of our own to offer. 
and we are completely dependent upon you uh, for life and sustenance, wisdom and understanding. Lord, I pray that today your Holy Spirit would awaken our hearts, that you would soften our hearts, that you would open our minds, that we might know truth and respond to you. For the opportunity that we have this morning to get into your word, I give you thanks for that. Pray that it would be for your glory, for the good of your people, and that we would just sit at your feet and learn today. May you be glorified. I can't say it enough, Father. May, may your people respond. We love you. We thank you for this opportunity to learn more about who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're going to study from one passage today. So if you want to turn to the Gospel of Mark chapter 4, that's where we're going to spend our time today. Gospel of Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 34. I'm not going to read this. I'm going to kind of talk through it as we go. So a little different today. And uh, we'll just see what the Lord has. I do want to say there'll be some things right away that we should be reminding us what we've heard already in the Gospel of Mark. This is what the Word says in, in Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. The crowd that had gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. And I just want to stop real quick and say, like, this should remind us of something we've heard at least twice already in the Gospel of Mark. That when Jesus began to teach people, that the people were so drawn to him that he would have to get in a boat and push out to sea. One thing that's a little different here in, in this passage, I don't know if it's that way before or not, but he sets in the boat. Like, I got the idea before he stood in the boat. I don't know why I thought that was true. I guess if I was going to teach from a boat, I would stand in the boat on the lake. I can't even imagine that. We should do that sometime to see what it's like, you know. Can you actually teach from a boat on the lake to people on the shore? Like, that's what the Bible says is happening here, you know. But even more than that, like it's not just that he's teaching, but he's sitting on the boat teaching. But it should remind us of a couple of things, and we've said this repeatedly, but it's important, I think, to, to let it sink in for us, is that there were so many people drawn to Jesus that he would have to kind of make space to even teach. We talked last week about how he had no room to eat in the houses. And by the way, we've seen a pattern where he is in houses eating with people and then out in public teaching and then in houses eating and out in public teaching. One other thing I wanted to mention is that here he is again on the scene where he first said to people, hey, come follow me. Fishermen, uh, laborers, people who were like salt of the earth, you know, they were working with their parents and the parents' business. And in those ordinary places, he shows up and he invites them to follow him. And then here he is in that same ordinary space teaching his truth. Now, I want to kind of read through this. We're going to stop at about verse 9, but I want to I want to read the word together. It says this, he taught them many things by parables. By the way, we talked last week about parables or just like laying things out side by side, you know. Parables are interesting because it's kind of a mystery, but it's kind of obvious. That's the idea of a parable. That you, you might be confused by a parable or it might totally make sense to you because you're lying, laying things out side by side for comparison purposes. And so it says he taught them again by parables and this is what he taught. Listen, a farmer went out to sow seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. And some fell along rocky places where it did not have much soil. The seed sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow, but when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up and choked the plants so that they did not hear or bear grain. <laughs> Still other seed fell on good soil 
it came up and it grew and it produced a crop multiplying 30, 60, or even 100 times. Then Jesus said this, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. I want to stop there for a minute. Who's heard that before? This, yeah, almost any, if you've been around church, you've heard this taught, right? How many knows what this is about already? You can raise your hand if you think, I know what this is about. Yeah, yeah, we've heard this taught before. I know what this is about, right? I think it's kind of funny because I, I want us to kind of put ourselves in that context. You're in the crowd. You're on the shore. Jesus is sitting in a boat, and this is all he has said to you. See, I think so many times we hear it and we, we presume to the end. You know, we're, we already know the special knowledge. We already understand the scripture. But, but here is Jesus, and this is all he says. Do you hear? He says, listen, look. And this is what he tells people, which I think is so funny. A sower went out to sow seed. And then he tells a story about four types of soil and how the soil grows. And that's all he said to the people. I say this because, you know, I'm teaching it in parables. That's what he says. I'm going to teach in parables. I want to say this. That makes no sense. That makes no sense. That Jesus would be in a boat, sitting off the shore, you know, hundreds if not thousands of people crowding in, trying to hear the message, and this is what he has to teach. By the way, this is the first time in the Gospel of Mark that we have actually had a recording of what Jesus taught. And you might go, oh, wait a minute. I remember he was talking to the, the, the teacher of the law about stuff. That's right, he was. You know, but he was listening to their hearts. You remember that, right? He taught before this, but it never tells us what he taught exactly. It just says he was teaching. But here we have the first recording in the Gospel of Mark of actually what Jesus is teaching. And all I want to, I was just thinking about this, and I thought, if you stopped right there at verse 9, you would, I, what does that mean? Some seed falls on and it gets taken up by birds right away. I mean, what does that mean? Some seed uh, falls and it grows up really fast and then the sun scorches and it burns the grass up and it's gone. Or some of it uh, falls and then the stuff, the thorns, uh, the weeds choke it out. It can't get root, right? And some stuff falls and it just grows and grows and grows. It's crazy. And then he says this. I mean, I'm just like a little incredulous. And he says, those who have ears to hear, hear. <laughs> I'll be like, What? That, I mean, for, if you heard that, I don't even think you could be honest with yourself if you thought, yeah, I, get, I totally get what's happening right there. Me and you, Jesus, I know what you're talking about. Seed, you're in a boat. It makes so, total sense to me. This is about the kingdom of God somehow. I don't, I'm here. I'm listening to you. I just don't think there's any chance we get it. No chance that makes sense. I think we're in good company if that's the case. I mean, I just want to make it okay that we don't understand that. I, I think we have such a need, maybe even, I'd say, especially as Christians, but, but as people, you always want to know the answers. You want to understand, you're like, oh, I, I get it. Dude, I get this. I understand how this works. There's not a lot to connect to in what Jesus is saying there. There's not. And there's good reason for that. He says, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. And then we pick it up now in verse 10. When he was alone... The twelve and those around him asked him about these parables. A couple of things right off the bat. So Jesus had taught all these people on the shore. And, so, and the twelve that he, were gonna send, he was going to send out, they kept hanging out with Jesus. Because, I mean, if Jesus says, hey, I'm going to send you out, we're going to stick with Jesus, right? So I don't know what this is like. This is maybe like, you know, you're with the band, you know, and uh, the band's on stage and the crowds are screaming and it's all crazy. And you're like, this is an awesome show. But then when the band, you know, the, the crowds are gone and you're on the bus after the show, and you're sitting there and you're talking to the bandmates. That's kind of what this is like, right? Like you get to hang out. 
personally with Jesus. And this is what they say. They go, uh, what was that? <laughs> right? I know you're doing important stuff, Jesus, but what was that whole farmer seed sowing thing you were talking about in the boat? I want to say something else. It wasn't just the 12. It says, and those who were with him. So, man, I, I think there might have been some folks on the shore that go, what? And they wait for Jesus to come in off the boat, and they, they're not part of the 12, you know. They're not necessarily supposed to be there, but they, they have this desire to know. Jesus, will you wait a minute? What did that mean? They have this hunger, this curiosity. They want to at least admit that they don't understand. That's what the word says. It says that when he was alone, 12 and others around him came and asked, well, what's the deal with these parables? What are you talking about? And I think that that'll be one of our key markers in the text today, this idea that there are those who are going to be honest enough to admit they don't understand. Like, it would be easy if you didn't, you know, you heard that message from Jesus and you're like, I don't get it, and you just walk away. But there are some, now listen, there are some that when they hear, they get that glimpse of truth from Jesus. They get that, they're like, ah, oh, there's something in it, but I don't know what it is, that they don't walk away. They go closer to Jesus. They go, Jesus, explain this to me. Jesus, what, what are you talking about here? And just like the 12, that's the apostles, those who are about to be sent out, there are others in the crowd who have that kind of desire to know. This is what Jesus said in response to their questions. He said, the mystery of the kingdom of God has been given to you. That's what Jesus told them. You've been given the mystery. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables. And he's about to say why. So that, you see there in your Bible? I'm teaching in parables. Quote, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving and ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Can I just say a minute? That should cause us to scratch our heads and go, what? What? Did Jesus just say, I'm teaching so that they could always see but never, you know, how would you say that? Have you ever been like watching maybe TV, maybe uh, traffic? I mean, have you ever been looking with things with your eyes but not perceiving what's happening in front of you? Have you ever had that happen? Like you're just mindlessly sitting there. Mindless is a good word here, right? You're just, you're just, you're taking in data, but you're not processing that data and connecting the data to real life. Did he just say, I teach in parables so that they might, it might be right in front of them, but they don't get it? Or that they might be ever hearing but not synthesizing that with their brain, with their mind, with their life? Did you hear what Jesus taught today? Yeah, I heard it. But did you hear it? No, not really. And the last part just blows me away. It says, otherwise, because if they saw with their eyes and they, they beheld it, they, they actually saw it, if they heard with their ears and they actually synthesized with their lives, they might turn and be forgiven. Jesus is going, if the people out there had the mystery of the kingdom of God, they would repent and be saved. But to you, the mystery's been given. Isn't that amazing to you? I mean, first of all, Jesus taught that way, and then secondly, that this is an explanation for it. That's why. So that it's right in front of them, but they don't understand. Why would this be the case? I want to read to you a little bit. We're not going to turn there, but I just want to read to you a little bit um, from where this, this quote comes from. It comes from uh, Isaiah 6, and I'm debating 
on where to start. I'm just going to read a little bit to you. Is that okay? Can we do it real quick? This is the prophet Isaiah, the prophet in Israel, one of the greatest prophets in Israel. Isaiah, if you've not read Isaiah, I mean, it's beautiful, beautiful, almost poetic prophecy, you know, uh, powerful. This is what the word says in verse 1. I'll start there. In the year of King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Now listen to this. I saw the Lord, Yahweh, the creator, seated on a throne, high and exalted. And the train of his robe filled the whole temple. Above him were seraphs, each with six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they were flying in the air. That's six wings, people. Two over their faces, two over their feet, two of them were flying. I, are you like freaking out and they were calling to one another holy 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 is the lord almighty the whole earth is filled with his glory this is their proclamation verse 4 at the sound of their voices the doorposts and the threshold shook and the temple was filled with smoke the place is falling down and this is the response of isaiah woe to me i am ruined i am a man of unclean lips and i live among people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the king the lord yahweh almighty then one of the seraphs flew with to me with a coal a live coal that's a hot coal which he had taken from the tongs of the altar and with it he touched my mouth which must have hurt right and he said see this has now touched your lips your guilt is taken away and your sin is atoned for then i heard the voice of the lord saying whom will i send and who will go for us and i said this is so funny, but this is Isaiah, like seraphs, the temple's falling down, the, the thing touches his lips, and this is what he says, I'll go. He says, send me, send me. Who's going to go for you? I'll go for you right now, I'll do it. And Isaiah lets us set up this passage that Jesus refers to. Then the Lord said, go and tell this people be ever hearing, but never understanding. Or be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and their eyes closed. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. I mean, it's just as shocking in the, the First Testament as it is in, in Mark that this is the proclamation. Go out there and tell them what they won't believe. Proclaim it. And what's even more amazing is Isaiah 6, after that, you know what Isaiah's question is? That's awesome, I'll go do that, which is already crazy. How long shall I do it? And he says, until the cities are in ruins, until everything has come to an end, proclaim this news. See, that ought to kind of connect the dots for us a little bit with this idea of being sent by God. I know, and it's fair, I mean, I'm not like trying to reteach something here. I know I've heard a lot of teaching on this passage as well. I've wrung my hands over a lot. What kind of soil am I? Am I that kind of soil? I mean, what's my responsibility? Am I, am I tending myself? Am I ready to receive the word of the Lord? And I, I get that. But, you know, there's an overarching proclamation here that there are those who will not see it even when they see it, and they won't hear it even when they're hearing it, and they won't turn and believe even when it's right in front of them. They won't. And I say that because I remember that was me. I had friends who would come and tell me about Jesus. I, yeah, I, I get it, I get it. But I didn't get it 
I go to church every Sunday. I went to church every Sunday for a year, and a great preacher and a great pastor, and he's preaching his heart out, and I'm like, that's cool. I didn't get it. I saw it. I didn't perceive it. I heard it. I didn't synthesize it. I didn't process it. It didn't affect my life. Listen, I didn't respond. What did Jesus say? The big risk is, otherwise they might turn and be healed. They might turn and be saved. See, there, there's an overarching idea here in this parable of the sowers that if the crowds got it, it would be obvious. Not what kind of soil am I? Not am I ready today? I went down to the lake to hear that Jesus guy preaching. I guess I was the wrong kind of soil, <laughs> you know? No, he's like, when it's the right soil, it's obvious, right? And so we're going to talk through this because Jesus does with the disciples, but we're going to unpack it a little bit. But that's what he's saying. There's different types of soil. There's different types of experiences with God. And I love the model we get from the, from the apostles and from these others that are there, that they won't stop listening to Jesus until they get it. Just keep, they keep, hey, Jesus, explain it to me again. I don't get it. What, what does this mean right here? Would you explain it to me again? He's like, yeah, I'll tell you again what this means. Let me explain it to you again. There's this idea that the kingdom of God will break through in a powerful way when it's received. And that's it. Like, I think that's the teaching here. Verse 13, this is what the word says. Then Jesus said to them, those who are asking questions, right, those hanging out, do you not understand this parable? Well, then how will you understand any parable, right? Now, that might be like, well, you screwed up on the first question on the test, so you're going to flunk the test now. But I, I think that there's another idea here that this is a foundational teaching about the kingdom of God. This is a foundational truth. And if they don't get this, those apostles he's about to send out, they will get nothing. Matter of fact, if they don't get this, they get nothing about his feeding people, his healing people, his casting out demons. <laughs> like, they won't understand any of that. You know, the crowds got that, but they didn't get it. He says, you don't understand this? Now, how are you going to understand anything? And then he goes to explain. Here it is, 14. The sower sows the word. That's what happens all the time. When you're, it, it, your translation might say farmer like mine does here, but it means one who is sowing is always sowing. There's never a lack of sowing that's happening here. Continuously sowing the word, that's what happens. The logos is being sown. And where? Into the world, amongst people. Because we know this parable is about people, right? That's what it said. The, the people are like, which can be confusing. Is it, are the people like seed? Are the people like soil? Are the people like a path? What are people like? Well, what we know for sure is the one sowing is sowing all the time. And what's being sown is the word. That's what it says. The, sower, the one sowing sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word has been sown. So that's you and I, where we are in our lives. God is constantly always putting that truth in our lives. And the question is, what does our response look like? It says this, as soon as they hear it, right, some people, as soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word that was sown in them. I just want to stop and talk about that for a second. This is the experience where you, you, you have some profound breakthrough, whether this is like at a camp, maybe, I know many of us had camp experiences, or maybe it was at a conference you went to, maybe it was in a quiet Bible study with a friend, maybe you were by yourself praying, and God just broke through in your heart, right? You ever had that experience? 
Like, you're just living, you're desperate for God, and you're like, oh, God, I'm, you know, you're seeking him out with all your heart, and then God shows up, and you're like, this is awesome. You tasted it, you know it's real, you're like, yes. And many of us have that experience, but have you had an experience where as soon as it happens, like, it's gone? Like, it's that thing that you, you the minute you touch it, you know, Chris mentioned the bubble earlier, the minute you, you're like, oh, that bubble is beautiful, and you go to grab it, and it, it's gone. And that's what Jesus is saying some of the experience of receiving the word is like. It's like the minute you, you go to grab it, Satan snatches it away. By the way, we ought to pay attention to the fact that here he is again teaching about Satan. He's making the case that in this sowing of the word, receiving the word, responding to the word, and growing in the word, there's a spiritual battle that's happening. It's, it's not just like arbitrary. It's not like, well, that was kind of a shock. I mean, there's an active participation against you growing as a believer in Jesus Christ. Hear that. It's not like, well, you've just been a little lazy today. There's an active adversary who desires you would not grow in the Lord Jesus Christ, not grow in the knowledge of his word, not grow in understanding who he is. And the best thing that can happen is that the word be snatched away. Let me talk for a second here about the word anyway. You know, the Gospel of John says the word became flesh. So we can say, yes, it's Satan snatching away the scripture when you read scripture, Right? Scriptures talk about Jesus. So what, what his desire is that he would remove that God-focused experience. He would, he would snatch away that encounter with the Lord. And these are people who are with Jesus. He's like, this is a risk for you. That you would hear it, you would understand who I am, and then Satan would steal that from you. So the word is bigger than just the scriptures. It's the testimony about Jesus. In fact, I would argue it's Jesus himself, the word made flesh. So there's a battle going on that you might not receive Jesus. That you may not, what did he say? Turn and be forgiven. Jesus goes on to say this, others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they only last a short time. They're brief. That's what the word means. And listen to the word. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, the word that was sown, they quickly fall away. We've had that experience in real life where you like pulled up a weed, you've seen a really big weed, and you're like, oh, this is gonna be tough, and then you just grab it and it pops right out of the ground. There's no root, right? It's, it, well, I've literally had that experience in my life. But you know, it's, it's such a funny thing, and I will say, this is even like, this isn't because I'm a pastor, this is as a believer. Before I was a pastor and I was believing in Jesus, I would have friends that would come to church, and they would hear a message at that church I told you I was bored with for a year. They, they heard, heard a message, and they would be like, that's awesome, man. I'm so excited, you know. And I'm like, cool, come back next week. And then they would like, you know, fall away. I remember one dude came in there. He was in a full-blown crisis, and he's like, man, I need God so bad. I need God to set, rescue me and save me and all that stuff. And he, and he looked all the markers. I mean, you know, I'm saying this. Like, we can be deceived, right, church? Like, you, you, can, be, you, you can trick yourself into believing you get it. And, and others can certainly trick you into believing they get it. And there'll be people come through and they're like, they're praying, all, they're coming to church all the time. They're, everything's perfect. This one dude did that. And, and uh, I was so jazzed for him, man. I'm like, yeah, we're going to follow Jesus together. You know, I was so excited. And then things didn't go the way he had expected. You see, he kind of he had an agenda for Jesus in his life. And he's like, if Jesus don't meet my agenda, I'm not going to follow Jesus. He didn't say that because nobody says that in church. But that's what he thought in his heart. And guess what? Hard times came. It didn't go the way he thought it was going to go. You know what he did? I, I can't believe it. I still see the dude sometimes around town. I just can't believe it. What happened? What happened? 
But Jesus says, this is what's going to happen sometimes. Someone receives with great joy. They're very excited, but they have no root, no depth, and then bam, they're gone. And, and let's not miss the fact he's teaching those he's about to send out that when I send you out, hard things are going to happen to you. It doesn't say when things happen accidentally. It says when things happen, persecutions because of the word, because of Jesus in your life. When those storms come in your life, if you have no root, you'll be gone. And then the third, still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, there's so much to unpack here, and the desires for other things come in and they choke out the word, making the word unfruitful, right? So the sower's sowing and everything else is overgrowing the word of God. And again, I'm not going to tell you to go out and tend your garden. I know I've heard that preached before. Go out and tend your garden. Get rid of the weeds. Get rid of stuff that's going to choke out the word. I mean, that's, that's not bad advice, right? But is that what's being taught? This is like a state of fact. That there are times in our life where the word of God is sown in. We've heard it, but we're so busy with everything else. We're so consumed with wealth is one thing that he points to here. Or the desires of our hearts that are not on God. That it just gets choked out. It gets overgrown. And the word isn't sustained. It isn't sustained in our lives. And then he, he says this. Others, like seeds sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, and produce a crop. 30, 60, or 100 times as much. Listen, earlier in the parable when he was sitting in the boat, he said that the farmer sows on good soil, right? The seed on good soil steps up and continues to mature and grow. How do you know if you're a farmer, if you've got a good crop? You get a harvest. That's how you know, isn't it? I mean, if you sow a whole field full of seed and nothing grows, that's a bad year. And the same is true here. That the, the recognition of authenticity, of effectiveness, of result is in the harvest and nothing else. The sustaining, the enduring word. And this is what it's like uh, to be sown on good soil. Now, here's the thing, right? So I almost think like the way to look at this is like not so much like, okay, so I got to go do these things. I actually just, just heard somebody teach that. So go and do these things, you know. But, I, you know, I'm like, as a matrix, am I still growing in the Lord? Am I still growing in my wisdom and knowledge, understanding? Am I, is that something that's, that's bearing fruit in my life? You see, it's, it's more like a, a marker of what's actually happening than something I'm trying to make happen. It's like a gauge to discern whether or not I'm being made ready to be sent out. This idea that we continue to grow, mature, and bear fruit. I mean, so I guess th this is the thing, right? Like, how do you know you're a disciple? How do you know you're a disciple if you continue to grow? Now, here's something that we don't often think of. So we see this and we go, oh, man, I'm probably like that. I'm, I'm probably like, I remember those times that, like, Satan snatched the word away. I remember that. I remember that in my life, those times. Get really passionate, and then it's gone. Or I remember those times where I got really, really jazzed, excited, I'm going to go do this, and then there's no depth, and then I fall away. As soon as it gets hard, somebody's like, so you're going to church now? Nope, I'm not, not going to church. So you, you actually believe this? You, you, have you ever had anybody ask you that, by the way? Have you ever had anybody ask you, so, do you actually believe this? <laughs> like, that's a funny question. Many people ask me that. You wither away in the sun. Persecution comes. You're one of those weird Christians, aren't you? One of those weirdos, weirdo, you know? So sometimes we grow. Get this. 
get this. Oh, and, and let's just say this real quick. The, the concerns of the world choke out the word. <laughs> That's really hard because it's starting to grow. It's in there somewhere, but it's in there somewhere. Man, I was reading that one this week. I was studying that one. It's just like, it was getting me. I'm like, oh, am I too consumed with the things of this world to focus on the Lord? Am I too distracted by all the other stuff? Here's some good news that maybe we don't see in there. The one sowing is always sowing. He doesn't say the farmer comes and sows at one time and, well, Satan took it, that's that. Or the rocks, you know, or the thorns. He says, no. The one who sows is always sowing. Always sowing. And the word is received once and then it falls away and received again and it falls away. Maybe for that story and then all of a sudden, bam, it grows up and it's like this, it's like this tree just sprouts forth in your life and you're like, I didn't do this. We're actually going to talk about that in a minute, right? I didn't do this. This is God. Like, that's what Jesus is teaching about here. This is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what it's like to receive the word. This is what it's like to know Jesus. And he is the good sower. As a matter of fact, I want to do something real quick. I want to go back through and I want to read this. Substituting these words of sowing and sower and seed is Jesus. Check it out. Listen, Jesus went out to sow himself. And as he was scattering seeds, some fell on the path, and the birds came, and they took Jesus away. And some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up and the plants were scorched, they withered because they had no root. And then other times, Jesus fell among thorns, which grew up and choked out the plants so that Jesus could not bear grain. But still other times, Jesus fell on good soil, and he came up. He grew and he produced a crop, multiplying 30, 60, or 100 times. That's his work. And so I, I just get encouraged because it's like, yeah, he's gonna, the sower sows the word. The sower sows the word. I do think there's something here about continuing to sow the word ourselves. I get this. We're going to change gears a little bit here. Verse 21, he said to them, do you bring a lamp in and put it under a bowl or a bed? Instead, don't you stand it on a stand? And this is, what he, this is amazing, because he just told them there's a mystery of God is made known to them. You understand the mysteries of God, and, and Jesus is going to teach them directly. I'm going to tell you what this means. But this is what he says. Anything that's hidden is meant to be disclosed, and anything that's concealed is meant to be brought into the light. So anyone who has ears to hear, let him hear. He's like, listen to what I'm saying to you. The things I'm teaching you are to be taught to other people. This is what the kingdom of God is like. It's like this continuing growth, this continuing pursuit of Jesus, this growth in his name. Verse 24, consider carefully what you hear. With the measure with which you use, it will be measured to you and even more. He's like, how much you do this in your life will affect how much you have in your life. The more you sow seeds in Jesus' name, the more seed you will receive. That's kind of how that works. Whoever will be given more, oh wait, whoever has will be given more, and whoever does not have, even that which he has will be taken away from him. It's the same idea. Hold up. When I say sowing seeds, I don't mean giving money to the church. I just want to be clear about that, right? That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying if we're out there sharing the word, we receive the word. If you're passionately pursuing Jesus, you receive the blessing from passionately pursuing Jesus. As a matter of fact, the example comes with these guys who, and gals who followed Jesus after the teaching of the boat and said, Jesus, explain it to me, and he did. They wouldn't quit. They continued to pursue Jesus. Two more parables now then, and we'll be done, about sowing seed. This is 26. He then said also, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A, a man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up. The seed sprouts and grows. 
though he does not know how. There's the what I was talking about, right? All by itself, the seed is producing grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. This is totally tied back to what he's talking about with sowing seeds along the path. How did it happen? I don't know how that happened. It, God made it grow. That's what happened. But I know it's time for harvest. You can recognize the signs. And so this idea that, that um, the, the word is growing no matter what. And we ought to just be excited about that. When we see it, we ought to be, you know, celebrating and harvesting that in our own lives and the lives of others. And then the third time now he says, again, what shall we say the kingdom of God is like? And, and I just want to say, it's interesting to me that he asks the question here. He's told them twice what the kingdom of God is like, and now he's like, hey, what else should we say it's like? This is all to those who would dare to ask. Or what par parable shall we use to describe it? It's like, what do you think, church? What would you say the kingdom of God is like? How would you describe it? He says this, it's like a mustard seed. It's the smallest seed that you can plant in the ground. Yet when it's planted, it grows and becomes the largest of all garden plants. With such big branches that the birds of the air can indeed perch in its shade. It outgrows everything else in the garden. With many similar parables, Jesus spoke the word to them as much as they could understand. Isn't that great? Now listen to 34. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. But when he was alone with his own disciples, he explained everything, everything. This idea that you and I have the opportunity to learn from Jesus. This idea that he's not going to send us out unprepared or, or, or ill-prepared, I guess, right? As much as the teachings were hard for them, and sometimes they're hard for us, he is willing for those who would sit at his feet and listen to explain what's happening. It's not, a, it's not a mystery he wants unsolved. In fact, and this is the irony, I guess I would say, his very desire is that we might turn and be forgiven. Oh, now I get it. Now I understand. Now all this healing makes sense. Now this demon casting out makes sense. Now oh, I, I understand what's happening in my life. And Jesus says that at the end there. He says, you know, the seed is going to grow over everything, even providing shelter. I love that. So how do you know, right? Listen, I mean, this is like real for me. Like I'm thinking, grappling here trying to get a hold of it. How do you know that you're part of the kingdom of God? How do you know you're good soil? How do you know you receive the word of God rightly? I think the scriptures are replete with the idea. Do you know because you respond? You respond. It doesn't always mean you're like, amen, I totally get it, I'm with you 100%. It sometimes means like, I don't understand. Jesus, I have a question. <laughs> you know because you, you, when, you're, you're, when your spirit is awakened, like Isaiah in the temple whenever, you know what I mean? Like when you get it, you're like, ah, I gotta know more about that. You know you're in the kingdom of God whenever no one else is around and no, none of your friends and stuff and you're alone, you're going, God, what is this really about? God, in your own prayer life, you know, God, will you explain, will you show me this? Will you call me forth from this? I mean, in other words, you know because you are actively engaged in learning from Jesus. And this isn't about church. 
It's not about Sundays. It's not about your friends or your family. It's about you. Am, am I the kind of person that keeps showing up for Jesus and going, yeah. By the way, I would even say, because I mean, think about this for a minute. Before we know Jesus, we don't believe in Jesus at all. There's something about those who keep showing up anyway. This is, this doesn't make any sense. And he just keeps showing up, you know. Explain it to me again. Show me again. And then we get it. I'm going to invite you to pray with me. Um, and I'm going to invite uh, the prayer team to head to the back hall. If you want us to pray with you, we'd love to pray with you in the back. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing a final song this morning. But I want us to think about, as we pray, about where we really are. And I'm going to do this with you. I mean, where we really are in our lives. Do we find ourselves in a place where we're actually actively responding to Jesus? The good, the bad, like when we get it, when we don't. Are we actively responding to him? And uh, maybe there's stuff in your life you need prayer for. Maybe this week was a hard week for you. I mean, right? I, maybe that was a deal for you. Maybe, maybe you got some stuff inside and you just go, ugh. I would encourage you to respond in prayer. Like just, you know, we would love to pray with, pray with you, pray for you, that we might know together more. You don't have to, though. I mean, wherever you are, uh, let's pray together. Father God, we thank you so much for the truth of your word, and we thank you that your scripture are, is filled with the stories of people just like us. So easily uh, confused, so prone to wander, have such a tendency to, to see it but not see it and hear it but not understand it. Uh, and yet, Father, today, I pray that some part of us has been awakened to the truth of who you are. I pray, Father, for those who are here who have that heart to say, yeah, I'll go send me. I want to know more. Uh, those who would show up after the session over and say, hey, what was that about, Jesus? Uh, that, that you would reward that kind of pursuing of you. Um, Father God, that you would actually create that spirit in us that would pursue you. Father, for those times that we've uh, lost it, that we have slipped away, that's been stolen away, it's been choked out, Father, we don't want that. We want, we want to bear fruit. I mean, we want to bear fruit for you. Would you uh, cause us to grow? Father, for the work that you're doing in your people and your church, we give you thanks and praise. For my brothers and sisters who are here today, um, I, I pray that we might all become closer to you, that we might know you more fully. Father, for those who have been a hard week, we just lift them to you right now. May you be our healer and our God. We love you so much. We thank you for the word that's sown in us. We do not deserve it. Any growth that we have is attributed to you and you alone. Father, uh, we give you thanks and praise for that. May you be glorified as we respond to your good news today. In Jesus' name.